Welcome, motherfuckers, to QBT. I'm Maddie Germs. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Shawnee. <laughs> We're two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. Let's get into it. Don't you ever do this again. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> and welcome back, everybody. Yes, you've made it um, this far. You know, congratulations <laughs> to you all. At this point, you've made it further than we thought you would. So, congrats. <laughs> um, honey, what's our check-in question for today? Today's question. This is what I want to know from you, Maddie. What did you want to be when you were little? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? And then okay. what inspired that? Uh, okay. Um, truthful answer. Um, I wanted to be a cashier when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very excited um, by um, cash registers and, like, cash register toys. And, like, whenever I saw, like, the Fisher Price thing on the TV, I just would sit down and be like, destiny. Um, but... Oh. <laughs> so that was like age like until like six or seven which surprise I became a cashier and I was great at it um and then truthfully though post like elementary school I really wanted to be an actor I thought that that was um what God called me to be um my d mom really wanted me to be like Kirk Franklin and make like Jesus movies um that's a whole other story but okay <laughs> but what inspired that I don't know um I don't know. I thought it was funny or funny to trick people, <laughs> which is what acting is in some ways. And um, also, it's what scamming is. So, hey, either career. I, is that not what this is? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think for me, I still don't really know fully what I want to be when I grow up exactly. I don't know what that means. But the acting thing just kind of got derailed because I was. Um, I was put in acting classes by my mom. And then I remember that I came home one day and I was like, there's something after a couple classes, I was like, these people are a little like worldly. And I knew that some of them were talking about being gay or queer. And I told my mom that and she yanked me out of that class. I was never allowed to go back. <laughs> I was like, well, I was never allowed to go back. Um, but I don't know. I think that I ended up doing media studies and thought I was going to be doing writing and television and stuff so same realm but we've already heard that story what about you what did you want to be when you grew up and what inspired that oh i wanted to be this is the most ridiculous story in the world also one of my favorite stories i wanted to be peter pan when i grew up oh sure oh just a full contradiction <laughs> that is, exactly wow you got that um yeah it makes no sense because peter pan is not a real person um but as a kid you couldn't have told me that and yeah well, he also doesn't want to grow up and also he didn't want to grow up um which i didn't want to do as a child and still don't want to do being mm. an adult is a trap don't let them tell you that it's anything else i did not sign up for this i didn't approve any of this it just happens to you i didn't ask to come here Right. But yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to, I knew as a kid that like being an adult blows. So <laughs> I didn't want to be that. Peter Pan specifically, was it the flying? Was it the pirates? Like, uh, it was the flying and being on an island just, you know, where you're forever young and youthful. Mm -hmm. But then similar to you, 
as I got older and realized being Peter Pan is not a real career move you can make unless you become an actor, mm-hmm. I wanted to become an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I was in high school, I took some acting classes or some theater classes, should I say, the theater. And I think I was good at it. I got like, you know, some monologues here and there in the lead role in like a school thing we were doing. And I was very proud of myself. Um, and then my mom was like, similar to yours probably, like, nah, get that gay shit out of here. We're not doing that. Also, she was just like, you're not going to make any money as an actor. You're not going to make it. Right. It's too hard of an industry. You need to do something else. And she scared me out of it. And now that I'm an adult. I got fully scared yeah, out and of now, it too. Now that I'm an adult, I'm sort of like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I had it in me. Maybe I didn't. But I guess I'll never know. <laughs> never know. Um, I hear you. I think it's like. A lot of parents, I think, like someone says they're going to be an actor and they're like, okay, Charlie. <laughs> but, um, for our segment on pop culture and politics, and what about it? What you want to talk about, babe? Ooh, well, I'm first of all happy that you guys probably noticed we're switching up the format a little bit. We switched it up last episode? No, this is the first one. You're right. Yes. <gasps> well, welcome to And What About It. Now, earlier in the show, oh my God, Maddie, why are your legs spread wide open? I, because I'm trying, I told you I needed to switch. Um, I, um, <laughs> I was really struggling and then it became worse. <laughs> no, sorry. You thought, you thought I was starting an OnlyFans, just for you. I mean, honey, make your money however you need to. I just, I would not make I money. I just didn't know that I had signed up for it. Um, okay. And we're first going to talk about the Michelle Obama documentary, Becoming. Becoming. becoming, just becoming what you're becoming. Yo, that documentary <laughs> is great. It is. It's really good. Fantastic. I yeah. was weeping probably similarly to you within the neck within the first like uh, ten to fifteen. I mean, me watching other people cry will always make me cry. Same. Um, but then just remembering the legacy of the Obamas and mm-hmm. what those eight years were, just sort of reliving that. Uh, met election night in 2018, 2008. Um, Wow. It was like going on that journey with her again was insane. And also just learning that like the sacrifices that she made like for her life and also understanding that she doesn't even know 100% what she wants to be when she grows up. (laughs) You know, I feel like she, and if you haven't seen it, no spoilers. I mean, I think we all know who Michelle Obama is and like, what's been going on with her, you know, since her and Barack um, left the White House. But this is just the documentary that they filmed while she was on her book tour two years ago, last year. Yeah, I think it was last year. Um, I really wanted to go to that, but it looks like it was great. And who knew she was so funny? Uh (laughs) Michelle Obama could be like a comedian, I think. Um, One of my favorite things about her is that she's looked the same since she was like seven. Yeah. The exact same. Like, that is Michelle Obama. Um, I thought it was interesting that she was talking to a few of those um, young women and was just saying, you know, she doesn't know what her next step is. She's trying to figure that out, just like they're trying to figure out what the next step for them in life is. And I always find it very, like, consoling and just nice to hear older people, right? And I don't know Michelle Obama's age off the top of my head. Um, But she's an elder. But but yeah, you know, she's really up there in age. No, but people just older than me who are just like, hey, I am still figuring out life as well. And I I mean, I think it's okay to hold the 
I mean, I texted you last night. I was crying through that whole thing. And the Obamas have a complicated history, right? Like, and I think it's like okay to, in retrospect, um, or honestly, listen to people who are critiquing while it was happening. You know, like stuff that happened during that administration. And and to, I literally, <laughs> I fully had to like pause the documentary. Spencer was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, <laughs> and then he, when he asked me, I let loose, and I was like, it hurts me so much that we're like most likely at least another four years away from feeling or remembering anything that feels remotely like progress. And like at the end of that presidency, there was, I don't know, it like, it was like, this is not perfect, but this was a great movement forward. And we have like this momentum to continue to be better and like continue to do new things and continue to make movement and wave and whatever. And like, I told someone that to me, Watching her on screen is oftentimes magic, obviously. She's like, they're both kind of nerdy, but like, it makes it fun. And to me though, like with those girls, the reaction shots are what ripped me open every time. I would like finally compose myself after seven minutes and then it would like cut to some person who is just like in awe of her. And I'd be like, oh my God. Like, I just like, I, I was on a roller coaster last night, but I really, I think I needed that to remember as complicated as they were, what, that feeling of hope was or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That feels yeah. gross to say, but that's what I was going through. I agree. And I think that she does a good job of even sort of talking about how, you know, those eight years that they were in the White House, how that sort of impacted what's come after them in this mm -hmm. country, should I say, um, and the, the, right. the sort of flames that it stoked right. amongst nationalists and racist white folks. Right. Um, and that part sucked, you know, and then, you know, obviously bringing up all the, the young black men um, and women and just black people that have been slain. Um, yeah. And that also, not that she was taking it as like a, a personal responsibility or something that she felt responsible for. But again, just like the impact of, you know, them being in the White House and what that yeah. did to white America. That is what really tore me up. You know, I mean, yeah. I think I cry every single time I see Sandra Bland or Trayvon Martin, right? So seeing them again last night and it just kind of being put in this context of, you know, there are young Black kids getting murdered on the streets, but we have a Black president, right? And just the, the dichotomy of that and, you know, what that says about the country that we live in it was it's an ex it's a great examination of what it means i think this documentary is a great exam examination of the the racial politics in america but also what it means to not live in the shadow of somebody which i also think was an interesting take of what it meant for her to be the first lady and not really wanting Barack having his own thing going on and her feeling as though like I need my own thing going on as well she she gave yeah. a great example of like I'm raising these kids you know running around the house doing this that and the third and you know Barack is just like I'm going to the gym and I'm looking at him like you going to the gym like I want to go to the gym and then she was just sort of like so I just went to the gym like I decided I need to get on that level too and if he can do it then like I can as well as opposed to you know just thinking I have to be in this role and I have to not just support my man, but like dash my own dreams. I think my favorite part was um, that part in the church with the mm. elders there. Mm -hmm. And I think one of my favorite things about it is that instead of asking at least the clip that they showed, the clip was not advice that she had for them. The matriarch or like the pastor, whoever of that church, she turned to the folks and was like, what do my spiritual sisters have to say to Miss First Lady, you know? And like those folks just 
normalizing her and praising her and congratulating her and offering her like spiritual connection was just like, you know, believe in God or not, it's nice to have people hold you and hold space for you. And they were not holding space for her as the first lady. They were like, you're a woman and we love you, you know? Yeah. Yo, when that, that was another thing that almost took me out too. The older, the oldest elder in that church, it seemed like, I'm, I don't know if it was. Um, Talking about her parents. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I think we all, at least we as black people know this, right? Like I know my grandmother, even my mother, like when he got elected, it was, it was a big deal for the black community. So many people were saying like, we never thought that we'd be alive to see this day. Yeah. But to hear her get that emotional about it. Um, and, you know, she's older, which means she probably is, you know, going through some of her last days. And she was able to, like, sit there and, like, I survived and I've been here long enough to be able to witness this. And listen, that lady has probably seen so much from civil rights and beyond. Like, I can't imagine the journey her life was probably going on to get to the point that she's sitting there with the first Black <laughs> lady, you know? It sucks to have to, with this same breath and with the same high we were experiencing last night absorb news last night and today yeah of yet another one of those faces and someone again that there's video of that okay ahmaud jogging motherfucker jog ahmaud arbery we're gonna say his name i will preface this by saying like i haven't processed this too much because i read this before i went to bed last night and then woke up in a in a mood because of it but you know how work is we'll get into that later but i sort of had to like compartmentalize that and put it away for a second so that i could concentrate on the things that needed to get done today um I don't want to spend too much time on it again because i haven't processed it and i don't want to say anything that i'm going to regret but i will just say that man, he runs every day, like, or he ran every single day. He was hunted. Everything. And I mean, as a Black person and as somebody that also feels very at home in their neighborhood and runs every day just about, like, it's just insane in this fucking country that, like, I, it's, it, you're not safe if you're Black, right? It's just you're living your life. I can walk out my front door and get shot like that for no other reason other than I'm black. And that shit is just, it's insane. I'm going to leave it there. It's, there's a lot yeah. to unpack there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thank you. Um, yeah. I just thinking about those two things at the same time is there's highs and lows all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, did, have you seen the MJ documentary? <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, the Last Dance, I have this on here because uh, I am not a sports person. If you know me at all, you know I know nothing about sports, for real, for real. <clears throat> but The Last Dance documentary is actually really good, and I'm very much so, like, in it. Um, it's a- sell me on it, because I haven't seen it, and I've, my brother tried to sell me on it, and I'm like, I don't think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not so much about sports, I guess, right? And I, I it's weird to say that. Um, it's a 10 part like documentary series, right? So I think at as of today, currently, there are six episodes out, um, okay. four more to come. They do two episodes every single Sunday. Um, each episode's about an hour. And it's, it's just chronicling um, Michael Jordan and then just like the Chicago Bulls from like 1980 something until um, 98. And 
<clears throat> again, I don't know much about sports. I don't even know what happened in 98. I am sort of kind of watching this documentary because I'm like, did they win the championship in 98? Somebody's going to be like, duh, Sean. But I have no idea. Um, so I'm into it for that. I'm also just into it because it's the 90s. And I feel like anything about the 90s, since that's when I grew up, it's when you grew up like in, it's just a lot of it is relevant still. Like I remember just the insanity around Michael Jordan and him being this like god on earth and whether it was space jam whether it was gatorade whether it was mcdonald's like you could not escape that man's presence i remember my mm -hmm. mother had a crush on him i remember like being in school and watching like literally watching chicago bull games like in elementary school because they were like that big of a deal and my ass went to school in tennessee like had has zero sort of tie to chicago um so like i don't know it, it does a really good job of painting the picture and giving you a lot of context as to why Michael Jordan in the 90s was such a big deal and such a thing. Um, and me just being somebody that's very interested in just like culture, pop culture, like mm -hmm. why humans are obsessed with the things that they are in the cultural zeitgeist. I think this documentary does a really good job of showcasing that and explaining, you know, how he got to where he was. Sort of the bullshit he put his other teammates through as well and how they weren't making yeah. as much as him, but like were playing just as well. So. There's a lot of nuance to it. Um, and there's also just a lot of drama. And you know how I feel about my Hollywood drama. It's sports drama, yeah. but it's drama, and I'm here for it. <laughs> I kind of want to, like, once it all comes out, I want someone to go through and edit all the basketball out and then, like, send it back to me. <laughs> I'm going to lectures in it. Hot. I love that. I love the resurgence of Dennis Rodman photos and, like, remembering that era i mean obviously i didn't know shit about that oh my god you know what i just remembered as i'm fucking <laughs> talking about this i used to collect basketball cards like a lot and i don't oh know god. why i don't what? know if it was like my beard or what Ew. but like i had a <laughs> i had a like a little box of like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of basketball cards and obviously anything from the bulls like was golden oh, yeah. i think it was like maybe bragging rights because i wasn't allowed to do pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh because those are like the devil but i loved collecting little things um and wow i just remember that anyway obviously i remember michael jordan being the biggest of the biggest loved space jam um i i think i had one pair of starter shoes that were like knockoff jordans i think <laughs> They had zippers. They were really ugly, but I was very proud of them. Um, okay, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like really. I my mom's obsessed with them too. I'm from North Carolina, so like UNC was my mom's team. So that was like a big. We got a lot of lessons about or reminders that that's where Michael Jordan was from. Um, I don't know. His brother lived in my neighborhood, and like I went to school with his niece. But like I don't. I don't so you're know. Like one degree of separation away from Michael Jordan. Kind of. I mean, like, I saw him driving sometime. Like, I mean, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. And it would be like, that's cool. But, like, that's the extent of it is that Maddie, the celebrity. You're all, versus... I mean, we hung out at a party like a few times. <laughs> yeah. like, I've been no. to his house. We're no. like best friends. But I don't no. know him like that. <laughs> no, anyone who is from there and is listening to that is going to be like rolling their eyes so hard. No, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm just saying, obviously, I know how big Michael Jordan is. And I don't know why. Um, but. I will. I, I'm. I'm getting close to being sold. I'm getting close to being sold. Okay. I was, I'm honestly just waiting to figure out what happens in 1998, and also wait for them to get to Space Jam. <laughs> if they do that on the next episode, then I'll probably just stop watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to see Space. I want to. I would see that. I'm excited for that. Watch Space Jam. 
there's a bunch of new music that is like on the way. I mean, for anyone listening for Lady Gaga Chromatica updates that um, get released <laughs> a week after they're announced, um, <laughs> Chromatica is coming out May 29th. Um, but also Kylie Rae Jepsen is coming out May 21st. Tayana Taylor just said that she's releasing a new album. Someone said it better not be another eight track and she said 20. I don't know if she's being serious. But... 20? Well, girl, don't let the pendulum swing the other way. I don't need that yeah. in a song. <laughs> I know. I really, really, really loved that last EP, though. That yeah. was really good. It. I mean, say what we say about this person, but Kanye's a great producer. <laughs> Taylor is great as well. That woman yeah. works her ass off. Have you seen, did you see her dance with her broken foot a couple of years ago? I don't know about that. I've seen a lot of dancing videos. I might have and didn't even know yeah. she had a broken foot during yet. She is, and I love her. She's great. Yeah. She, she, she went a long way to uh, win my heart. I remember being very anti Tiana Taylor for a very long time. <laughs> I mean, as a white person, I feel like I wasn't introduced to her until that video she was in. Where she's like ripped that Kanye West video. Oh, fade. Yeah, that's when yes. a lot of other people were like, we knew <laughs> right. she was because she had drama with Rihanna for a yes. while. Yes, and like I found out all that out like later. But then this latest EP that she put out and got like buried by Kanye because mm-hmm. their beef, like all that was really shitty because that album is good. It's got like that Mickey Blanco track on it. I love that album. It was like just a good summer walking album and it's like a solid like 38 minutes. I love that album. Oh, well, then ho- I don't know if I can sing it. I'm not You did it. it. That was perfect. Yeah. Um, Charlie XCX just released a new song today. Um, well, I haven't heard it yet. Um, also, let's just... People are releasing music on like Thursdays, even though it's not supposed to come out till Friday. And it's just funny. It's like almost like movie. I was going to say, if the Avengers can do it, so can whoever. I just, we can get music whenever we want to. You guys don't have to wait till a certain day. Release your music when you want to. Especially since they don't make really anything off streams. So, which is why no one wanted to release an album during COVID. But then it was like, now there's a giant fucking hole with no new music. So now everyone's clamoring to it. That's what JoJo did with her new album, Good to Know. I'm a JoJo fan. So I'm going to talk about JoJo. It was good. Yeah. It's a good album. I like it. It's, I don't think there's, there's maybe like one or two like standout hits and most of it starts to kind of sound the same. But I just Mm -hmm. like JoJo because she, that girl knows how to sing her ass off. So yeah, I'm just here for her run and you know her memory. she's still so gorgeous and it yeah i've listened to interviews of her i honestly i haven't heard the new album but i've listened to a lot of the interviews that she's given on that press cycle and like she seems rad as fuck i like have an interest i just haven't gotten to it yet yeah i also really respect artists that got fucking put through the ringer with their label and mm-hmm. still come at come out on the other end like winning and i feel like jojo was stuck in that contract forever and she, she was like, a child i know which also just lets you know how fucking scummy the music industry can be sometimes well i mean that's uh, why rihanna is taking a long ass break she's like i gave you an album every like 10 months for six years shut the fuck up shut the fuck up go back and listen <laughs> to this. this when i'm ready that album is done she is just like eh, not today i don't feel like i it. yeah i don't know what she's gonna i i with that new documentary that's coming out about her, I kind of hope we get like maybe one new song, but who knows? We'll see. Um, oh, also, I want to make a correction from last episode. So last episode, people had been tweeting about the Say So remix, and there was a version that got put on Spotify early where Nicki Minaj talks about being a cum dump. And like, she talks, like it's a better verse. It's so good. It's such a good verse. And then... It disappeared for like an hour. And then Doja Cat tweeted, she was like, evidently 
an old version has been put out. We're fixing it ASAP. And I don't know if it was like a little tester of like, how are people responding to this and then re-uploading it? But um, the one that got uploaded has that stupid fucking line about like, used to be bi, but now I'm hetero. It's just like, and, and then it just... It is worse. I, maybe we'll post in the stories or something the version that I heard because I fully saved that shit because it was good. I don't know. I, yes, let's do it. Oh my God. I want to hear it because I have not heard that version. It's at least tolerable. And I really, really hope that people stream Savage Remix instead of this. I do not want that to get the number one. Well, I don't know. I love Doja Cat so much. Nikki has just pissed me off for the past like two years. <laughs> Nikki's pissed me off my entire life. <laughs> you're like, uh, finally, everyone is where I have been forever. <laughs> <laughs> where I've been for. A decade. Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of bad bitches, how do you feel about murder hornets? Murder. <laughs> Those are some bad bitches. Okay, so we're in the Pacific Northwest, and apparently this is where the murder hornets oh, are. Oh no, I didn't read that. And it's coming up on summer. I don't have time for this. I just got rid of a hornet's nest or some kind of yellow jackets, wasps. I don't know. They're all this. They all sting you. They're all the same in my mind. Um, there was like a whole colony of them underneath, like underground. Like they had burrowed where like my car is parked. Um, I have like a driveway, it's made out of dirt. <laughs> but they had burrowed underneath that. So every time I had to go get in my car, there was just like a swarm oh. of wasps. And I was like, this is, I'm gonna yeah. die. So uh, they luckily took care of it. I don't need no murder murder hornets around. No, like I mean, also what, scary. What the fuck is this Jumanji ass shit? Also, they're huge. <laughs> I mean, I... If I was still a Christian, I would be looking around and be like, uh, he's on his way back. Like, I was joking today with my friend um, that the world, I think, is actually coming to an end. I know. <laughs> like, I mean, murder hornets exist. Apparently, it's going to be colder than it was on Christmas Day for like two-thirds of the United States in like a couple of days because it's a polar vortex happening in May. <laughs> right, in <laughs> exactly. the Scorpio moon. And we already know what that means. So. I have no idea. <laughs> Me, you know, yeah, nope. I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I like, I have co star. I don't know what's going on, you know. Yeah, my cancer moon is in my Libra sun, sure. Um, Naomi Campbell doing that at home iPhone video shoot. Yeah, I honestly, let me tell you about a bad she bitch. looks gorgeous, fun. she looks great, and she styled herself and she shot it herself. I mean, not too surprised it's Naomi Campbell, but um, I'm proud of yeah. her. Go off, yeah, girl. Fully. I'm a little tired of this, like, shot on an iPhone. Okay. Like, we don't... <laughs> I think everybody has an iPhone. We know what an iPhone is capable of mm-hmm. doing. I also had a photo shoot with my iPhone the other mm-hmm. day. I mean, I've been grateful for my Naomi Campbell fix with that Making the Cut show. Like, mm-hmm. Tim and Heidi, sure. But Naomi as a judge, that's fully what kept me coming back every week. She was excellent on that show. Um and then also when this came out, I really liked what she said. She was like, this is really fun to do. I'm glad this got to happen. And it honestly just made me sad about how many jobs are lost right now in production with COVID. Like there's so many people yeah. who aren't in the face of this industry that um, are really losing out right now. I mean, the whole cult of celebrity is dying a little bit in all of this and obviously not because we're talking about it, but it's losing something. There's something happening with that and mm-hmm. the unseen sacrifice of that is like all these production folks that um are really talented and some don't have unions and all that stuff. It sucks. Which speaking of unions and work and just kind of like where this country is and why we're talking about what we're going to talk about today. There's all these fucking protests from these Karens around the country. 
who have decided that like standing outside to scream for a bad haircut is better than listening to the CDC. And it's just really fucked up because these people have no interest in actually going back to work in the way that they're spouting it. They want other people to die so that they can get their nails done. They want other people to die so that they can buy what they want from the mall. Like they, these white people continuously have no ideological compass that shows them that they don't own people like they don't they don't have a right to other people and like it is like so wild and infuriating because like there is something about sad about small businesses not getting what they need right now it sucks to not get your hair cut like all of these things suck but that does not equate showing up to your city hall with a bunch of guns and getting the privilege to fucking shout at police as much as you want. I didn't see any Pepsis being handed over. I didn't see any white people getting arrested. Like I did not see Kendall Jenner. Yeah. They're like, you're fine. And that is infuriating. And it is infuriating to me on this other end with people who choose to continuously not stay the fuck home or not stay within the people that they're living with. Like you aren't on the same level, but you are co-signing in some ways this desire to get back outside again. Stay in the collective morning, put your fucking mask on, go to the grocery store if you want. There is no way that you and your tiny group can ensure that you are the ones that don't have it. If you own property and you have a backyard and you can like tape off sections and people can't, come use your restroom and they bring all their own cups and shit. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is like a version of social distancing, but you have those like fucking faggots in New York having that like meth gala out in that. Did you see that video? What? There was that video. <laughs> a meth gala. <laughs> That's what people were calling it. It was this like rave party of all these white faggots that were in this uh, New York city apartment. It was filled with people just having an all night rave like four days ago. No, thank you. Yes. That's just, I mean, so it's essentially that same fucking, the same gays that were probably out the week in the before. West Village. Yes. The week before, then decided they wanted to have a rave. Yes. Honestly, okay, white gays, do your thing. <laughs> I mean, yes, and if, and die. And, well, I mean, yeah, and you have I, no right to get angry at the people that are protesting because you're just doing it and it looks different, but you're the same fucking careless piece of shit, you know? And yeah. I don't know. I mean, and it's it's so it's so it's just it's so selfish. And I was just talking the other day about this. This virus, not to no make a hard pivot. Oh, there was something in my eye. <laughs> um, not to make That's a, hard a hard pivot. pivot. <laughs> that is a hard pivot. <laughs> not to make a hard pivot away from work, but this sh- this virus doesn't care who you nope. are. Like it doesn't right and i think that people are having a really hard time like understanding that they're not special or unique which is the thing that we're all taught for so long and for the first time ever people are like oh wait i am just as equally susceptible as somebody else's right and it's like yeah you are and guess what you can't be a dick about it and choose to like do what you want to do for Mm -hmm. yourself i think another interesting thing is like when you're wearing a mask it's not to keep you from getting it it's to keep giving it to somebody else so if everybody's wearing a mask whether you know you have it or not you're still slowing down the spread but it's hard for people to understand that like this this mask this thing isn't for me to protect me me specifically me 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 and it's like Mm -hmm. no for once you have to care about the collective good and you have to like care about other people Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to like 
wear a mask, not go mm-hmm. out, suffer a bit. Jo- again, join that collective mm-hmm. suffering to save other people's lives because guess what? It's not about you, asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, nobody cares about you. We care about everybody else and keeping everybody alive. So do your part. It's not that difficult. It's not, I promise you. I know we're over it, but just sit your ass home. Eat nachos and just watch TV. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I you aren't saying this obviously because I mean, last week we talked about your situation and my situation and like there is something about loneliness in all of this that kind of drives us to maybe not make the best decisions. I'm not not holding empathy for that. But like at minimum, don't fucking post about it. <laughs> like like at minimum, keep that shit to yourself and go home shamefully like you should. Like you sh- I, I'm also yeah, tired of this. Like di- I've been going to raves too. I just don't let you guys <laughs> right, know. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I mean I'm not I've not been perfect through all this. I'm not gonna name I'm not gonna pretend like I have like been completely perfect in what I'm supposed to do in terms of CDC guidelines. I've done my best. And I just think that when we start to see other states reopen and when we start to see these other things, kind of what feels like loosening of the rules because of this individualism, we're like, okay, well, it's not me, but we have to navigate as if you have it. You have to go to sleep every night saying, I have coronavirus and I am asymptomatic. If you, because that is how you have to navigate this universe. It will help you wash your hands. It will help you not touch things. Like if you walk around thinking, well, everyone else has it and I don't, you're delusional, fully delusional. And I just, I, it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. I just think that there's some really cool stuff that um, some people offered to us in our next segment that just the talking about technology and like the light that technology has brought in some ways. And obviously it is not the thing, but it is not necessarily the worst version of the thing. And I think leaning into trying to find connection and maintain connection in these ways that we're maybe not used to will provide learning and patience and an awareness of this collective consciousness of suffering that like will maybe lead us to a better place than breaking the rules to serve an hour and a half of sharing a cocktail with someone. Like it just, there's other things, you know? Um, One of those other things is talking about insecure. I'm an episode behind. (laughs) We're just pivoting left and right here. I love it. Let's just keep it going. I love love momentum. Yeah. I think I'm only one episode behind, but if we wait until next week, I think this week is the Black Party episode, so we'll have like a solid, almost climax of the season. I think it'll be good. So if you haven't heard yet or haven't seen it yet, catch up on Insecure. We're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, and I'm not giving you no spoiler alert before I start no, talking about is- it. So either you watch it and catch up or you skip all the next episode. Yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah. fast forward. You're getting your spoiler alert early. I I mean, honestly, I've got to be careful. I really am not someone who gives a shit about spoiler alerts. Like, or, I mean, uh, spoilers. I like them. We know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and be better. I'm going to try and be better. We're back with a mindful moment. Um, we're going to go into some pretty deep stuff in a second. Uh, before we, you know, do the work, we'll talk a little bit about um, our actual jobs and, you know, the impact on of coronavirus on those. And then we'll hear from a few people. But before we get into all of that, I want us to take a beat to sort of... Um, Bring us in. 
yeah, kind of bring us in and have us focus on what we're going to be talking about uh, moving forward. So if you are not operating heavy machinery, <laughs> please, you know, find a comfortable space if you have it. Um, try to find a quiet spot if you have a second. We're going to do this. You know how this goes, or maybe you don't, but it's probably going to take about a minute or two. And we're going to just be mindful and present in the moment that we're in. So um, get yourself comfortable, whether that's laying down, whether it's sitting with your legs crossed, um, whether it's sitting in a chair, just make sure that you have a straight back. And we're going to dive into this with a few deep breaths in and out with your eyes open. We're going to use this to sort of ground ourselves. Continue breathing in and out, deep breaths, not short or shallow ones, and keep your eyes open. It's all focus. All right, on the next exhalation, you're gonna close your eyes gently. And we're gonna pause and be mindful <clears throat> that we are right now in this moment. The world is crazy right now, but we have this moment to ourselves. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. I want you to breathe in all of the, anything that you feel panicked about, anything that you feel like you can't control or um, that you just, that you, can, you can't get ahead of, that you can't predict, right? And on your exhalation, I want you to just like breathe out relief. Just picture what that relief would feel like on the exhalation. So you're gonna breathe in some of that negativity, some of the stuff that has you a little anxious. And then you're gonna breathe out relief and feel that relief in every part of your body, right? Pull from your legs, pull from your arms, pull from your hands. And we're gonna do that a few more times. All right, and now we're gonna slowly bring ourselves back into the environment. You can open your eyes gently, shake yourself out a bit. And we're back. I hope that helped a little bit. I wanted us to stay a little bit present, you know, even though we can be a little panicked at times, you know, it's a little hard <clears throat> with the current pandemic to feel like you have a control of your life or, you know, over the things going on. I know a lot of us are either overworked at the moment or not working at all and a little bit scared and stressed out, you know, whether that's for your health, whether that's because of finances, whether it's because of your mental health, whether it's because of family members. Um, I think right now is a time when we can all agree that we are all stressed out about something or the other. I don't, there are very few people on this planet right now who probably feel as though everything's fine and great and dandy. So if in the future, when you feel yourself getting a little panicked about things and feeling like, you know, you're getting overwhelmed by trying to figure out the future or make plans, you always have that mindful moment you can take. So understand that those are just thoughts that are passing and it will be fine. You know, the world is still spinning and life is still going on. You're still, if you're listening to this, it means you woke up this mm -hmm. morning. So you're still you will likely wake up again tomorrow. Um, and that's all you can do is take it one day at a time. So just 
practice that mindfulness, practice, you know, just breathing in, breathing out and staying here. And I promise each moment, each day will go by a little bit faster and be a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I think, I mean, sometimes when I am caught up in that panic, right? Like when I'm caught up in that anxiety, that running motor that's in my heart or my head, um, depending on where I am that day. Um, the breathing exercises really help. Sometimes I like to audibly like make noises on the exhale, just like, <gasps> like, or like a yeah. scream or something that just kind of symbolizes the like, get the fuck out of me. Like, urgency make it your own yeah. it's all about just doing yeah. it and just like experiencing it and as long as you're doing that i promise you you're making progress in some way shape or form um i think that that does a really good job of bringing us into this space of i'm honestly trying to figure out kind of how to introduce this but one thing that's come up se- over the past several episodes especially honestly on your end has been concerns about work and stress about work i mean one of the meds you took one day was making sure you took a mental health day to kind of like create boundaries with work. Right. Um, And I was just seeing this flood of information about essential workers and people being laid off and where to redirect money. And it's like, it was just so much information all the time that I just, I kind of wanted to take some time to kind of pick apart what my mental health is experiencing, what I am experiencing specifically related to work output and like my body is like a, a capitalist entity to make money and like who does that make me as a person and what does output look like now in this technology world? Are people working more? Are people working less? Anyway, that's kind of this framing for at least our individual conversation. But broadly, honey, how is work going for you? Broadly speaking, it's a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah, overworked, I mentioned it earlier, is a thing. And I've spoken with quite a few people who are still currently employed, um, <clears throat> usually in some kind of a marketing field. Uh, there, A lot of us are being overworked right now. I've read um, a few articles um, that have come out over the last few weeks um, comparing how Americans are working now versus how they were working um, prior to February. And a lot of those studies, a lot of those articles are saying, you know, it's roughly around three hours more than people were working before. So people's days, you know, if you were getting off at five or six, it's now kind of going until eight or nine, which... It's definitely something that I felt and definitely something that I experienced. It was more like me working five hours more than I was every single day. Um, I found a little bit of, you know, consolation and like community in a way, uh, knowing that there are other people out there who are also being overworked and being overworked out of fear of losing their job. And I think that that's the key to it. One thing that I've been talking to my therapist about is just, there's a choice to overwork and not overwork and just understanding like why you're making that choice to do it. And for me, it's, you know, it's out of fear. What I think a lot of people who are currently employed, they have a fear of being unemployed or being laid off or being furloughed, right? They are worried about their health, their finances, how they're going to support other people and their families. Um, And I think that's all very valid and fair. And I don't have an answer for it. I don't have the perfect answer, right? I know that for me, boundaries have worked, you know, and, finding support from other people, but that's not always the case for everybody. So that's what, again, why I wanted to like practice a second of just staying present when panicked, because it's also this thing where there's no end in sight. You know, I wake up every day sort of 
oh, I don't want to have to do this. I like can't wait till we can go back in the office. But then I'm like, but when is that even going to be, right? Like that's not happening in two right. weeks. That's probably not happening for like more months to come. Yeah. And then I get a little more overwhelmed thinking about, oh my God, is this my new normal? I'm just going to be working from home all the time. Like my job is going to have me working until nine o'clock for the rest of the year which is then impacting my sleep because I am also waking up at like two and three o'clock in the morning for no reason, just like up and awake. And then I'm like, I guess I'll watch some TV and smoke until I fall back asleep. But that's not something I ever experienced before mm. this pandemic. So I'm beginning to feel the, the, the weight of stress and anxiety and just it's starting to impact other parts of my mm. life. Yeah. And I think that there's something too about companies and managers not respecting boundaries and pushing and pushing and pushing more work without respect to their employees. Like, <laughs> I think that that, I'm, not to shit talk your bosses or whatever, I guess, but like there's oh, okay. <laughs> another episode. But I think, um, I just mean, there's also some like choice in overworking. Like a lot of people are choosing to dive into work so they don't have to sit with the fact that nothing else is happening. Like, especially if they're single, you know? And I, I've, I was thinking about work as a coping mechanism. I don't even know if I have more... I mean, for me, something that comes up is like, there are some days where I'm like, so, I mean, I was thankful enough at a previous job to do a lot of work from home. Like I was able to work from home like a couple days a week anyway. And I found ways to make it work for me. I often have like really high output bursts versus like a constant, like sort of steady stream, but that's like my ADHD. But I am experiencing sometimes like days where I'm just like on it and feeling it. And then days where like all I can see on my computer screen is just like dread, 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 dread. <laughs> like I just, or I'm like, what the fucking is the point of all of this? Like I'm emailing her and him and them. And I don't even know if the thing that we're emailing about is even going to happen. And yeah, I mean, I am finding my frustration levels uh, more easily like pinged. Like my, I can go from like chill to being so mad at, Emily on the other end for X, Y, and Z when like, there's no reason, you know, I mean, it's like a small little yeah. thing, but my, my reaction to what feels like stupidity or something, you know, like my empathy levels are lowered there. I don't know. I've never, I've never worked with as many boomers as I have in academia. <laughs> and like in this time period, oh, the amount of emails that I receive that are like, check the attachment there's no attachment another email it's like oh sorry here's the attachment still no attachment oh i guess it's just a rough tuesday here it is and it's just like the amount of nine times that i've read the same email it like it sends me into oblivion that made me want to throw this computer out of the closet <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a full nightmare and then i have another one i mean you're talking about like this extension of work hours another part of that is always being available even during your work hours whereas oh like previously you could go on a lunch break or have your headphones in and that meant don't fucking talk to me and now there's no like visual sort of of available or not available and i have this I have this one supervisor and she, bless her heart, just like the, the emailing and giving instruction digitally is like all a little rough for her. And so she wants to call me over everything. And I previously saw this person IRL when we were able to go to the office, like once a week, we had a meeting once a week where we like met, talked about what we needed to do. Okay. See you next week. And now she wants to call me like twice a shift leave me the fuck alone evelyn not having it let me tell you the number of text messages and phone text messages and phone calls that i have from <clears throat> not friends <laughs> people that i like work with is is 
out of control at this yeah. point. It's to the point of, and I felt this way when I also um, was practicing therapy, which is, you know, my days are spent just talking to people. That's what I'm doing from like almost the second that like I start work at nine until I'm done around five or six. It's just me doing this just more professionally, yeah. I guess. Um, and also me just like popping off on people. I... <laughs> Yesterday popped off on, I think just not yesterday, the day before yesterday, I popped off on just about everybody at work. I was giving very like, I was giving short answers. I was on status calls, just like not even greeting anybody, just straight up like, let's just get into this. This needs to get done by like, I don't want to have fluffy conversation about things because y'all get on my nerves. But then that also impacts my ability to talk to friends and to kind of find that release and that coping mechanism of like, uh, a friendship um, outside of work. Because if I've spent, you know, eight hours, probably four to five of which, no lie, four to five of which are me just like on phone calls, talking to people, leading the actual meetings and calls. By the time I'm done with all of that, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be like, I don't want to deal with people. It's a miracle sometimes that I even like have the energy to do this podcast <laughs> because I my job every day is just talking. Mm -hmm. And I don't always have the answers and I don't always have yeah. the words, but I agree. I, that stuff is contributing to my kind of frustrations with people. And I also agree that I go from zero to 60 these days, like really yeah. fast. Like my day is either a good day or a bad day. There's no like in between. And anymore. over small stuff. Like, and, and that is yeah. like, um, that's something I'm experiencing frustration with is just trying to manage. I've also had to be like weirdly vulnerable about, more so, I mean, and my work, I think a little bit because it's like related to school and it's a social work related kind of thing. So I don't feel as weird maybe than if I worked in like private sector stuff, but I have had to be like, sometimes like I am having trouble just adjusting to life in general in quarantine. I need you to back the fuck off. Like I will get to this tomorrow, but mm. I don't like being that person, right? Like I don't like having to name that but if i've gently tried to offer you outs of like hey i'm like letting you know you're bothering me a little bit like here's this a little bit well it's the fifth time and it's fucking coronavirus and i need you to leave me alone like i need you to not fucking yeah. talk to me but that's a luxury that we have working from home in some ways you know like we don't have to be out there yeah. and have the stress of contracting this thing on top of the stress of having to work in this you know like i there is stress to being unemployed. And I think other states are doing better jobs about taking care of their unemployed. But there, I mean, there are some folks who are able to sit and think and take care of themselves. And it, there's a whole new set of problems around not working, obviously, obviously. You never know when that money is going to run out, especially under this administration. I don't mean to like downplay the quote luxury of unemployment. And, you know, there's essential workers that don't have the option to be unemployed. And if you're a frontline worker, if you're a healthcare worker, if you're an essential worker, right? If you you brought up being a cashier earlier, <laughs> listen, that's essential these yeah. days, right? It's if you're one of those people, it's 
it's not a choice, right? Like it's it's really not. That to me is where you know, and I brought up choice earlier. Where like, yes, I can choose right now because I'm working from home to say, you know what, everybody, I'm done at seven. I'm closing my computer, and there's actually absolutely nothing you can do to make me open it, other than like fire me. But like, there's there's no reason I need to be doing this until nine or ten o'clock at night, other than either using it as a coping mechanism or um, doing it out of complete fear, but nobody is telling me that I have to work until 10 o'clock right. at night. Whereas if you're an essential worker, not necessarily that you're probably being told to, but there's a lot more that comes along with that, right? Whether you're saving other people's lives, whether you're making sure other people um, have what they need to survive. And then also you couple that with bills and your health and everything else. Um, it becomes a little bit less of a choice and becomes a thing that like, you have to to survive, right? Like I don't have to overwork to survive per se. I just have to overwork. I'm overworking out of fear. Whereas I think essential workers are overworking out of sheer survival, which yes, has fear backing that up, but it's just like, well, and, it's a little different. And there's more fear on top of it because there's, you're being faced with the thing that you're being told everywhere else you're supposed to avoid. But then X amount mm -hmm. of people have told you that you're essential and then don't have any additional pay. Like, I mean, medical doctors and these healthcare workers and stuff, not every person who works in a hospital deemed essential right now is making buku dollars, right? And, right. and you screaming at 7 p.m. does not help that. Unless you live like next to a hospital or like on the same block, or you know for a fact that there's like several healthcare workers in your neighborhood, you getting out of your window to scream and bang and do pots and pans is so that you can feel good and so that you can show your neighbors yes. how good of a person you are. That is bullshit. Yes. Stop it. Stop it. Exactly. Unless you know someone that is in your building or your neighborhood or someone you love has said thank you for doing that, you are doing that so that you can make other people feel weird because you are such a good person that you go outside at 7 p.m. every night. If you live yep. in the fucking industrial district next to a fucking like empty stockyard, who are you screaming to? Who are you doing that to? Yeah. Human beings do a lot of things to like feel good about themselves, but they don't really mean anything. I was just telling you earlier that I don't care about your acknowledgement of like, I mean, again, it's not the same thing as, you know, working on the front lines or anything like that, but I don't need my client acknowledging like, yeah, like, thanks so much for, like, working so late. Like, we really appreciate it. It's just like, okay, <laughs> like, that doesn't do anything for me. I'm still stressed out uh -huh. and tired. You saying thank you or you just being like, I see you doing this. I appreciate it. It's like, I, like, okay, sure, thank you for thanking me. But that doesn't change the fact that I'm still doing this every single day and that I have yeah. to. And I think the same goes for you know, essential workers. If you really want to fucking help essential workers, and I think somebody says this in uh, one of the things that we're going to play in just a second, then stay the fuck home and wash your hands yeah. and wear a mask and stop protesting and just shut yeah, up. Totally. <laughs> like, you don't need to bang pots and pans and like direct attention to yourself because that's what you're doing. Yeah. We got to get away from this mentality of individualization and thinking that me banging my pots and pans makes me feel good about me. So therefore, I've contributed to the greater good now in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. You haven't. I'm sorry. It might make you feel good, but you haven't. Yeah. And I, mean, and I mean, like everyone's trying their best, right? It's obviously these like small gestures. And it just is if I was literally potentially offering my life and I had to walk home tired or I'm trying to sleep because I work overnights and... My neighbor is 
screaming because they think that they're helping me, I would lose, I would lose my mind. I would, I would, I would lose my mind. Anyway, you and I have had a few conversations about who we want to bring in and how we want to make this not just our voices. And I had a conversation with my friend Ben, who is working at a grocery store and a big chain. And we talked for a long time, like, I mean, like 35 minutes or so, of mostly just this person offering suggestions on how people can move through the grocery store um, safely and uh, how to be respectful to grocery store workers and, and thinking about ways that you can maybe advocate for them and just remember that these people need more money as well as other essential workers. But um, then you brought up talking about work and I was like, I wonder if there are other people who don't have our experiences of working from home that maybe have been laid off or are still essential workers. So I kind of like put out a call and we got some really beautiful feedback. And um, I think I thought about ways that we could play snippets and respond to it or um, whatever. But then I had this idea kind of of group session, right? And so a lot of times in groups, you just sit silently and just hold space and listen to folks. Um, that is one way to hold a group. There is more mediated ways to hold group, but one way is, you know, we share our stories and then we let other people go. And I think that especially after the mindful moment and especially after you and I have gotten a chance to share our experiences about sleep and distractedness and anxiety and overworking and all of the, the fear that's going around, I think that other people are holding different fears and different insights. And um, I think we were just given a gift by our listeners this week. Um, and I would love to just kind of hand it over to them. You guys, this is this is gonna be really special what we're gonna play for you. Um, this is just as much our podcast as it is yours. Um, so if you ever have something to say, let us know. Um, do you wanna just dive into it? Yeah, let's go. My name is Ben. I live on the North Coast here in Oregon and I work at a national grocery chain. This part of the state is very conservative. I'm definitely one of the few LGBT plus people here and a lot of my uh, co-workers are definitely not on the right side of history in that they do not believe that this virus is actually a threat. A lot of them are using faith-based idealism in the way that they're approaching preventative measures. A lot of them believe that masks aren't necessary and that a lot of the cleaning procedures aren't necessary because God's watching over them. The coronavirus has affected my work life. First and foremost, mentally, it's I can't sleep very well at night and I constantly feel like I'm in a state of panic, so I can't really get much done. And unlike a lot of other grocery stores throughout the country, we're actually losing business. So a lot of us are losing hours, which means that any cleaning measures that I want to take, I don't have the time to take. And then when I try to, I get told not to because it's more important to use my time to fill the shelves. I guess if there's anything I would ask people to change in their behavior when they come to the grocery store is if you can't find a child care provider and you don't have a kid who's old enough to watch at home, just keep them in the cart. Keep them right next to you. Don't let them touch things. Also, remember that, you know, you're going to want to dig through the zucchini. You're going to want to dig through the tomatoes to find the best one. Everybody does that. But then just remember, everybody does that. So um, one of the good things about this uh, panic shopping is that nothing's been on the shelf for very long. So 
nothing on the shelf is close to expiring at this point in time. And I think that's really important to remember because everything you touch, everybody else has also touched. Other thing that I think is super duper duper important is lessen the frequency of your shopping. Uh, and then the, the last thing on precautions that I would suggest to people is just to really respect space. Doesn't matter if you've known someone your whole life, if you don't live with them, they're a danger to you and you're a danger to them. Don't hug them just because you see them in the grocery store. I've seen this happening every single day. People saying hello and hugging each other and then talking about how it's fine because they've known each other forever. And I think that's the biggest mistake and I have a feeling that that's where a lot of transmissions are actually going to happen. I'm just gonna really ask everyone um, to remember that you have to practice a lot of patience. Every single person in the room is worried. It's This is not just happening to you. This is not just happening to me. This is happening to every person on the planet. I think it's also important that everyone remember just because we've been deemed essential workers by the government and by the people who make those decisions, it doesn't mean that we're receiving that much of benefits. It doesn't mean that we're receiving anything special. We keep, I've had multiple people tell me, thank you for your brave work, thank you for your service, all these things that you would tell someone who survived World War II or something. And I'm not saving lives, I'm not um, protecting anybody except for myself, I'm trying to pay my bills. So I appreciate the thanks, I'm sure all grocery workers do, but we're actually not doctors, we're not you know, anybody who's actually saving lives. And I think that that's a nice sentiment, but I think what it really does is it just masks the reality that through this false glorification of what we're doing, people are able to ignore the fact that we're still working class people, barely making a living wage. And even though the companies are going on the internet and going on the news sources, giving statements saying that they're giving precautions, like providing us with personal protective equipment and testing and small bonuses, the reality is that I haven't seen any personal protective equipment. Um, the only sanitation measures my store has taken is they've given each department a tub of sanitizing wipes and the bonus is only two dollars per hour extra which might seem like a lot if your life wasn't on the line but the reality is every shift that i work i'm potentially contracting the coronavirus because unlike everyone who's been laid off and who's collecting an unemployment check we aren't allowed to just quit our jobs without sacrificing the opportunity for unemployment so our jobs are just cutting our hours back further, further, and further, which makes the $2 bonus seem obsolete. It shrinks our schedule so low that we're barely living when really they could just be laying us off and letting us collect unemployment and actually get our bills paid. So there's not really a bonus to being uh, an essential worker as far as a grocery worker is, is involved at this time. I've heard there's some initiatives being taken, but none of them have actually come through yet. Oh yeah, I think the best way that you can show support for essential workers would Basic, mostly just to be, you know, take all the precautions that you can take as far as protecting them, such as sanitation and whatnot. But if you work at a grocery store and you see that the workers aren't having their needs met, the only way the corporation is gonna hear you is if you do the survey that's on the receipt or if you do the survey that's on a comment card. It's really annoying, but you could actually be helping a lot of people at this time in history. It does not make you a Karen, it makes you someone who cares. And I think that's really important right now. Um, another thing that you can do, just do what the Center for Disease Control tells you. Don't listen to politicians. Don't listen to opinions when it comes to this. Listen to the people who went to college for eight years and learned how to speak the language of viruses and diseases because they're the ones who know what they're talking about. I hope that I could somehow help with this. I feel like I'm gonna cry. <laughs>
out walking to leave this voicemail, and I have a face mask on like a responsible bitch, but, um, uh, hi, my name is Angel, and my pronouns are they, them, and I'm calling to contribute to this podcast because I think it's really cool to just kind of, like, get some voices in the community together and talk about our experiences. I think there's a lot of value in just, like, sharing those experiences and being able to have that, like, collective empathy for each other. Um, I'm a queer, non-binary musician, dancer, DJ, performance artist. I do a lot of stuff, so I would say that, like, artist is my main identity. Um, But I also have a day job uh, working in the health field. I work at a therapeutic school for um, kids who have experienced trauma. And so being that we are a school, um, obviously we were affected pretty immediately by COVID um, and the school closures, shutdowns. Yeah, what, what we've ended up doing is we've, we've ended up doing some form of online distance learning. But it's difficult, of course, with the population that I work with. A lot of our kids experience mental health issues, behavioral um, concerns, um, and uh, different abilities in terms of their learning and stuff. So it's really hard to do distance education with that population. But we're doing our best, and I think at this point in time, it's really just best that, like, the kids are able to see our faces and maintain those relationships with us while we're all isolated, because I think that's, like, the number one thing right now. And I think, like, use that as a transition to talk about mental health. I think that's, like, one of the biggest ways to, like, that I've been finding, like, to keep my mental health together during this time, is that it's not so much about, like what do I need to do or what do I need to become or like whatever. It's more so just about like, how can I maintain what I've got? Um, and how can I just like be okay on a daily basis? And I think after two months of quarantine now, like it's really started to feel like that's settling into place a little bit more. Could be just tourist season as well, but I'm really feeling just kind of more able on a daily basis, like access, myself and my ability to like function and do things. Hi QBT, my name is Charles Hayes Lafors. I am an African-American male residing in New York City. My pronouns are he, him, her, and I work as a freelance TV, film, and theater producer as well as a television production accountant. Um, In terms of how COVID has affected my mental health and my work life. Um, I think it's a mixture of bittersweet feelings, if I'm being honest with you. My industry, the production world, has come to a screeching halt for most people. So in terms of how it's affected my work life, it has completely stopped it. Uh, We can't gather in large quantities. We can't be more than closer than six feet together with people. And as most know or are aware productions movies films um tv shows whatever the whatever the medium may be it involves people gathering in spaces and working together to reach a common goal so hollywood is being reorganized hollywood is being reimagined and a lot of things are changing so coming out on the other side of this i think that anyone in this industry is going to encounter a learning curve and we're going to have to figure it out and make the most of it and step into the new era that is the new Hollywood post COVID-19. Um, in terms of my mental health, I would say that 
<clears throat> while there are moments where I feel fear, there are moments where anxiety can creep in or the the fear of uncertainty and what's to come can creep in. But fortunately for me, the larger or more overwhelming feeling that has come in during this time mentally has been peace. I've been able to use this time to grow closer to God, to meditate and grow closer to myself and to find my own peace within my being as opposed to finding my peace and my worth in my productivity and in my work and in the things that I do in this world. My name is Carrie. I am a teacher in Clayton, North Carolina. Um, I teach middle school art. I live alone, uh, no roommates, no pets, no kids, no significant other. Um, I don't know. I kind of always have felt like I was kind of into both men and women. I never really distinguish between either. It just kind of happens. I like who I like. I don't know. As far as dating during the quarantine, it's been real weird um, on Tinder. I've been mostly swiping and then not responding to messages. I know that's horrible, but it feels kind of just a game right now because we can't really do anything. So as far as COVID affecting my work, I am teaching from home. It's nice to be able to kind of get out of the box of normal things that I would do in the classroom, but um, it is definitely difficult and has its advantages and uh, disadvantages as far as what I can bring to the table for kids to do at home. Um, we do a few different types of lessons. Uh, we do stuff in packets that they can pick up from the school. And then we also do online lessons for students. These things like aren't really required for them to do, but they're out there for them to do. So we're not necessarily grading everything that's being turned in, which is really strange um, to just continue to put out stuff for students to do and then not assess it. I don't know, it's been kind of interesting to see what kids have submitted to me. As far as my mental health, I'm doing pretty well, I'd say. Uh, I don't know, I've always kind of had a tad bit of depression, which kind of gets brought out by, I don't know, breakups, I guess, but haven't done that in a while, so I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Hello, QBT. Um, my name is Sean. I live in Portland, Oregon. I'm a gay, queer man, he, him, and wanted to just give you guys some uh, information about how kind of COVID-19 has affected my work life and mental life. So um, I was laid off earlier this month. I worked for a tech startup. And unfortunately, due to COVID, we kind of lost all of our future kind of clients and engagements that were supposed to come in Q2. So unfortunately, they had to lay off um, almost 20%, 25% of the company. Um, and I was part of that. Luckily, the company was really, um, uh, really great and gave four weeks severance. And then also, um, healthcare extensions, and then some kind of outplacement job search um, help. So uh, in terms of that, I actually kind of lucked out. But just from a mental health standpoint, I think that working from home is super, super uh, difficult, or it was. Um, I found myself having the need and urge to just leave my house, wake up in the morning and leave, and I would do that and go on long runs. Um, started actually uh, doing some trail running, too. So that was a really good way for me to kind of deal and cope with just kind of being stuck inside, stuck in home. Um, i lucky enough to live with two roommates, two queer women who are amazing. 
Um, so I had the benefit of having people around me, but after about seven weeks, I had to, I don't know, I think I was on the verge of a mental breakdown. So I ended up driving up to Seattle to stay with my sister and brother-in-law and their dog. So um, the last couple of weeks have been actually really great. Uh, getting out of Portland, getting out of kind of my routine and being with family um, and being with animals, being with dogs, being on the water. So thank you guys again. And yeah, looking forward to more shows. Uh, my name is Brandon. I am queer. I also use the pronouns he, him. Um, I'm also known as uh, Father Flora, uh, which is the father of the Kiki House of Flora here in Portland, Oregon. And then in drag, I'm also known as Hydrangea, Stranger. Um, my identity, I, I identify as, you know, black male. <laughs> um, more specifically, though, I am Panamanian. In regards to COVID, uh, the way it's affected my work has been, um, luckily, not too severe. I would say about a third of my income was cut, mostly due to my, um, you know, dance and performance gigs that I had um, lined up, but luckily I did, I was working part-time as well at a, um, at a job that was deemed uh, essential, so very thankful and lucky for that. Uh, mentally though, COVID has definitely taken a toll in a very dynamic way as well. I've mostly been reorganizing and prioritizing how I'm able to show up for my queer community members and more specifically um, you know, prioritizing some of the most marginalized members of the, of the queer community, um, as well as, you know, just checking in with my closest friends and learning to um, enjoy spending time with people through FaceTime, which has been also a huge um, thing I'm thankful for, technology. Then in regards to um, sharing resources, I, I truly believe that people need to share, 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 and repost um, all the knowledge they can find, especially with their friends and their community members, because the knowledge is the key to us growing and being able to move forward and um, making sure everybody's heard and that everybody knows how to be involved. And um, in regards to sharing money, I definitely feel like People need to be redistributing their wealth absolutely 100%, especially folks who are feeling that discomfort. I think it's okay to feel that discomfort and to, you know, wonder why are all these people so in so much need while I'm sitting here comfortable. And I think it's time that people fall into that feeling and take the time to actually break it down. Um, I truly believe that a lot of people are super comfortable, but don't necessarily take the time to break that down and take time to think of all the ways they've created and been given that comfort, whether that comes from certain privileges or the work that they've done. Either way, it's worth recognizing. Um, and it's really important to distribute the wealth, especially if you have the means to do so. And there's also a lot of room for people who don't have the means to redistribute their wealth. I think that's completely valid. My name is Ian, and I'm calling because I am a queer essential worker in Portland um, during COVID-19. I uh, work at a homeless shelter here in town. I um, have seen and been a part of a lot of changes here over the past couple months because of COVID. For me, as a queer person, I have always felt on the front line and I think a lot of people, a lot of queer people can identify with that, sort of always um, putting ourselves in harm's way for a greater social good 
And so when COVID started to go down, it kind of just made sense that I was in this role that would be having to put myself out there and put myself at risk um, for for the greater good of the people around me. And with queer people, you know, like we are challenging social norms of gender and sexuality and a lot of the time it's, it's kind of the same feeling of, of putting yourself at risk for something that is, is good. Otherwise, I think that my queerness has also informed some amount of social anxiety that I have uh, that now kind of has been lifted in a way because I am not having the fear of missing out on events. I'm not going to events and having anxiety. Um, and so there's kind of like this plus side to everyone not being able to go out, which I think sounds selfish when I hear myself say it, but in my personal life, that is just something that I've noticed for myself. But on the other side of that, as the months now are going on, I am sort of uh, experiencing some more loneliness that I wasn't fully expecting, but um, luckily my job here at the shelter is really social and I have an amazing team. That also has just been a saving grace that I work with mostly queer and trans people. So even though I don't have my regular queer community and network, I have um, my coworkers and the whole team here and participants at the shelter that are really helping. We're all helping each other get through this. Otherwise, um, if you need a lowdown on what's happening with the shelters, um, maybe three months ago now, we stopped doing new intakes. But yeah, the shelter, we're at half capacity. We usually have 130 folks here. Right now we have 60. Half of our participants went to the convention center to help with social distancing. So now all the beds are spaced out six feet here. And um, for meals and everything, we just, it, it's, it would have been impossible to social distance with 130 people. So we are hovering around 60 participants and uh, everyone has to wear a mask, of course, including staff. You know, it's, it's just been a lot of new things that are actually making the workday less busy because we got less folks here. But overall, there's just extra energy spent on getting everyone to adhere to the new protocols and also doing some emotional work with, you know, supporting people through this really challenging time. Um, so for me and, you know, in my experience, this has informed by my queerness, but I'm just happy to be contributing um, during this wild time to actually have uh, a role that I think is helpful and productive. So um, happy to be doing what I'm doing and still hoping for this to be over soon. again and it's time for take your meds take your you meds yeah this will be pretty quick for me uh we already talked about boundaries at work that's making me happy again this week because i'm setting them up and i'm actually sticking to Hell them. yeah um <laughs> but the other thing is my mom mother's day is coming up soon and um she and i had a really great conversation yesterday i think it was um 
it's the first time my mother has ever said this. So, girl, if you listen in, I mean, you know, I was crying on the phone with you. But um, what are you about to tell me? Yeah, I. It's, I mean, it's the same shit that I just told you, right? Like, we were having a conversation. She called me in the middle of the day. Um, I was working. Um, and work has also impacted my ability to talk to my mom, like, every other day. Or just talk to my family in general. I was working on a Sunday, and we were talking to my grandmother, and it was a whole thing. Um, but she called me in the middle of work. I answered, surprisingly, um, on FaceTime. And we were just talking, and she could tell I was stressed out, and I was getting pretty frustrated, not with her, but just one of those things where I was just in a mood. I was frustrated. I was already working while trying to have a conversation at once, and she was just saying things that didn't make sense. And I was just like, I hear what you're saying, girl. I do 100%. I just need you to understand that I am tired, and I am exhausted, and I'm frustrated, and it's just me here by myself doing it all. I don't have somebody else that can come and like walk blue for me or that can like come and wash my clothes or that can come take care of things. I have to like overwork and then still do those other things by myself. Um, And for the first time ever in my mother's life, and we've been through some shit, especially with me coming out as gay, she was able to identify that she didn't have the answer. She didn't know what to say. She's just like, honey, I'm not going to pretend like I know what you're going through because I don't. And I really wish there was something I could do to solve it. I wish there was something I could say to make it better. And there's not. And like, that makes me feel bad. But also, I know you're going through this and I don't know what it's about. And like, I'm sorry. And I was just like, Ma, in tears, weeping, just like, that's the whole point. Like, I don't need you to solve my problems for me. I don't need you to step in and like, be a mom. (laughs) I'm a grown man at this point. I'm not expecting that from you. Um, I just need you to acknowledge my feelings and like how I'm feeling about things instead of telling me to like squash them or push them aside. Because at one point in the conversation, she was saying like, I don't need you putting it out into the universe that you might not have a job. And I'm just like, but that's a reality, Ma. So I have to think about it. I don't know what you want from me. So that just opened up the door to what I really appreciate from most people, which is if you don't have the answer, just say that. Mm. Don't come up with the bullshit answer. Don't say something cliche because you feel like you have to. Don't feel like, don't, don't try to identify with something that you have absolutely zero connection or context to. It is absolutely okay to just say, I don't know. I have no idea what that feels like. And that fucking sucks. And I wish that I did. And I guarantee you that's enough for most people to feel like at least they were heard and understood versus you trying to like fake an emotion that you've never felt before. So you, again, I'll bring this point up so you can feel good about yourself for having said something, you know? Like if you don't know what to say, then just don't say nothing. Don't make it worse so you can feel good about you. Mm. Um, so that's what made me happy. Uh, and that those are the meds that I'm taking. I love that. About you? Um, I mean, along similar lines, I think honestly getting to l- go through the voicemails and just listen and sit with those, um, I felt connection in my bed at midnight while I was <laughs> going through them, you know, and that was kind of like tying me back to last week with just thinking about loneliness. And I don't know, I just, I felt it brought me a lot of joy to recognize what I think you're speaking to, which is that sometimes it just feels nice to have someone say, what the fuck is going on? And then give you that three minutes to tell you what the fuck is going on, you know? Um, Which is speaking to what you're saying also is why I didn't want to offer advice or speak on these stories. I just wanted to kind of let them be, you know? Um, But 
shout out for real to my meds this week are my actual meds. Um, mental health meds can be really helpful. And I um, have some stuff to figure out, obviously, but I have just been grateful recently that I had the opportunity and had the time to be able to kind of work through some concoction that is working for me a little bit. And I, I feared a little bit, I think, what that would look like what COVID would look like without this support that, you know, things aren't easier or easy, I guess, because of medication. And I feel for one of the first times in my life, like my body is not trying as hard, you know, to like stay afloat, you know, like I feel Mm -hmm. everything still feels hard. Everything still feels how I am and how I'm wired And I just don't feel that same kind of like anchor to despair that my life has experienced my whole life. (laughs) Like, and it's like, it's, it's annoying and embarrassing a little bit to say that that is true, but it's true. Um, Yeah. I, I love you. I appreciate you sharing this week. I'm glad that your mom gave you that. Same. I'm happy as well. (laughs) And I'm happy that, (laughs) um, and I'm happy for you too. I mean, meds are a, they're a topic I'm sure we'll discuss on this show at some yeah. point. Um, but I think there's a lot of good work that can be done with mm-hmm. meds. There can also be bad Absolutely. work done. So Absolutely. As long as you're feeling, you know, tip top and it feels like they're working, um, then that's good. That's progress. And that's all we can ever wish for. Absolutely. Um, speaking of progress, how can we progress mm-hmm. better as individuals this week? E, well... <laughs> I have a new exercise for you. Um, have some homework for you to do. I'm going to let you guys know right now, I didn't even do the homework from last week. So you guys finally caught me not doing <laughs> the thing that I suggested. Um, but whatever, I journal all the time. So like, I kind of did it, I think. Um, You've done it before. Um, but this week, what we're going to do is we are going to do something I'm sure all of you are familiar with or at least heard of once. If not, let me introduce you to it. Uh, we're going to do a gratitude journal. We're going to do some gratitude journaling. Um, because there's a lot going on. I think we've covered a lot of ground on this episode and that might have put you in a mood, right? That this, We always keep things chipper, but we're, we're talking about some serious things here, like, you know, layoffs and losing your job and, you know, just the anxiety and the fear around that. I don't want us to end on a note of like negativity though. So instead, we're going to focus on what we've got and what's working for us right now. So what we're going to do this week um, is... Write down something you're grateful for every single day, at least one thing. Um, If you want to write down more than that, fantastic, go for it. But my hope is that by the next episode, you have at least seven things that you are grateful for over the course of a week. And if that number is more than seven, even better, because I'm sure once you write the first thing down, you're going to start to think about the other things that are working out for Mm you. Um, And even if that thing is, I woke up this morning, hey, you woke up this morning, you're alive. That's something you can absolutely be grateful for. Yeah, welcome to Earth, baby. Right? Um, So we're going to do that. We're actually going to do that. And I think next week we should actually share it um, to make sure that at least you and I do the homework, Maddie. I think we should share ours. Um, But also, you guys, 
just like with these voicemails um, and just like with the way you guys have been DMing us, we want to hear your experience during the homework. We want to hear the meds that you're taking, what's making you happy. And also, if you just want to like talk to us because you have something to say, whether it was in agreement to something we said or something um, in complete disagreement to what we said, we still want to hear from you, right? So write us at qbtpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 971-220. Eight eight seven four. Thank you, friends, for coming on this journey with us. Thank you, Shawnee. I love you very much. Um, you can follow us at QBT Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please don't forget to subscribe and share. As always, thank you to Marquis and Shanti Darling for letting us use their music. And big thanks to Allie Kiltz for helping us with editing. You can listen to her podcast, Trace Material, about the history and future of hemp. Stay safe, babes. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Try to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>